work to get all that done. Anybody, we ran out of sheets out there, got some more here, some uh, notes for tonight. Anybody need those? Okay. You need one? There you go. Thank you. Here, pass them out. <laughs> Raise your hand if you need one. Doug will get them to you. We looked at uh, Samuel uh, Sunday morning. I want to kind of go back and just kind of touch base on a few things from Samuel. I did notes tonight because it's about three different uh, good solid hours of teaching. And I didn't figure you'd want to be here the whole time. So I'm going to run through it real fast. And then I'm going to major probably at the, at the end of it. But uh, Samuel, the lessons from Samuel... When you skim the pages of Scripture, uh, you find a reoccurring event, event all through Scripture. And that reoccurring event is God is trying to get the attention of man over and over. I mean, it doesn't matter what generation you're at. Uh, he's still trying to get man's attention. He's trying to get young people's attention now. He's been trying to get adults' attention for years. When you look at the times of the judges, there's an interesting contrast between the two judges, Samson and Samuel. Both of them are introduced to us before the womb. Both of them are born to godly, elderly parents. Both of them are divinely selected and chosen for service. Now, God wanted the attention and obedience of both of these men, but the responses of these men were different. Samson went the way of the world and uh, you know, ended up uh, losing everything. God used him, but he still was nothing what God really had in intended for him to be. And Samuel was just the opposite. Uh, the chapter reveals to us, when you look at chapter 3, that no matter how dark things seem, God never leaves us. Now that may not mean anything to you, but I tell you, that's a blessing to me. To know that no matter how low we get or how bad things get, God never leaves us. And he never left them here. He, and he's got a way of getting our attention. I kind of think God uses kind of a, a pattern of he just kind of shakes us a little bit to say, hey, can I get your attention? And some of us are bullheaded and that's not going to work. So maybe he just kind of shakes us a little bit harder and maybe takes us to the woodshed a little bit. and That don't work. And then God can just lay you flat on your back where all you can do is just look up. And he'll do that if he needs to. But I want to tell you, if you'll learn this, uh, in life, God has the necessary resources to get your attention. If he wants your attention, I want to tell you, he'll get your attention. It may not be the way you want it, but he'll get it. Now, we've, we've looked at some of this already, but let me just kind of refresh our memory. The rarity of the word, verse 3, Samuel ministered to the Lord. The word child, the word child there means young person, teenager. I mentioned Sunday, Josephus, first, history, uh, first century history, uh, historian for the Jews, uh, said Samson, uh, Samuel was about 11 years old. Uh, and uh, the same word is used to describe David when he battled Goliath. It's the same Hebrew word. He ministered, which implies uh, a continual faithful ministry. He wasn't in one day and out one day. Uh, God can use young people when they're young and, and when children are yielded to him. Isaac Watts, the hymn writer that we sing so many of his songs, was saved at the age of nine. The preacher Jonathan Edwards was saved at seven. Henry Ward Beecher saved at five. Evangelist Paul Levine saved at the age of five. 
Now, what Samuel's doing here is a great testimony for young people today. As you study and obey the Word of God, you keep yourself pure, God uses you. God desires to use you. The Bible says here the Word of the Lord was precious. That means there was no open vision. It means it was rare. It was scarce. There was not many public revelations of God's will concerning the prophets. Uh, the nation of Israel got in trouble when they left the prophets uh, teaching the Word of God and the country going by what the prophets said based on the Word of God and started doing what the judges said. And folks, if you want to see a perfect parallel picture of that, you just look at America today. We have thrown out what the Word of God says, and we're, we're based on what judges say now. Uh, and may I add, they're not even elected judges, most of them, uh, appointed. And then once them dude gets in there, you can't get rid of them. Uh, they're, they're in there for life. But, but, but and when a judge begins, like the Old Testament, they began to do what was right in their own sight. And that's when they created problems. Amos said this, Amos said, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord God, I'll send a famine in the land, not a famine of bread, nor a thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. And they shall wander from sea to sea, and from the north even to the east. They shall run to and fro and seek the word of the Lord, and shall not find it. Now, I want to tell you, the question today is not, is there a famine of the word of God in America? We'd all pretty well say, yeah, it pretty well is. The question I want to ask you tonight is, is there a famine of the Word of God in your life? See, forget about America. Forget about the church. Forget about all that. Let's just be personal in my life. Is there a famine of the Word of God in my life? Do I really long after the Word of God? Am I really dedicated and meditate upon the Word of the Lord? See, Matthew says it like this in Matthew 15, 8. These people draw near unto me with their mouth, and they honor me with their lips, but their heart. It's far from me, far from me. Uh, you could say that these people had lost their first love, and I, I went through there just, and we'll just look at them real quickly. Losing your first love. What causes somebody to, to drift away and lose their first love? Number one, delighting more in someone or something other than the Lord. We, if we're not careful, we, we crowd out the Lord out of our lives. And I want to tell you, when you crowd out the Lord out of your life, you end up losing your first love. Mark 12 said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and all thy strength. That's the first commandment. Secondly, losing the desire and longing in my soul for times of close fellowship with the Lord. I mean, do you long to, to have fellowship with the Lord? I, uh, of course, you know I, I watch what y'all do on Facebook. I always... Uh, I try to be quiet as much as I can. I try not to, to say anything I don't have to. But I want to tell you, folks, uh, you can tell real quick uh, who's God and who's not God in people's lives. When you're in trouble, what's the first thing you run to? I can tell you, the people I see today, they run straight to Facebook. And they start talking on Facebook. And I thought, you, you know, you ain't got no business telling that on Facebook. What you need to do is go to God. You need to get with the Lord. I, I did confront this one person, and, and, and I think they did it in love, but their parent had passed away, and they were longing to, 
Oh, if I just had another day, if I just could hear one more verse, uh, one more voice, if I could just fellowship one more time. And I did tell that couple, I said, you know, if you longed to hear the Lord one more time, rather than your mama, you'd probably be better off. Because the Lord can, your mama ain't going to speak to you no more now. When she's gone, she's gone. She ain't going to speak to you anymore. But if you long after the Lord, he'll still speak to you. He'll speak to you through the, through the word of God and, and speak to your heart. The third thing, giving in to those things which I know displease the Lord. The fourth one, when I will not willingly and cheerfully give to God's work or the needs of others. When you become a tightwad, let me tell you, you're going to lose your first love. You, you know, yes, it's going to happen. When I cease to treat, oh, this is good. When I cease to treat every Christian as I would the Lord. <laughs> Man, that's tough, isn't it? I mean, that's, I'm talking to myself. I ain't going to stay there very long. But I'm just telling you, when we begin to be rude to other people, you wouldn't be rude to the Lord like that. And, and then I'll lose my first love if I inwardly strive for fame or popularity and the acclamation of this world rather than the approval of Jesus Christ. Who are you trying to please today? Are you trying to please your family? Let me tell you something about your family. You're not going to please them. You're not going to please them. You're never going to get all of them pleased. If you do get all of them pleased, you're going to hack them off tomorrow. I mean, it's not going to last. The one we need to seek the approval for is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and then becoming complacent, number seven, to sinful conditions around me and in my life. I mean, uh, if you're not careful in this world, and I don't mean be a hard nose, uh, everything's got to be done in love and the Spirit of the Lord. But if we're not careful, how many of us tonight will go home and turn on the television and watch things that we'd have had a wall-eyed fit about 10 years ago? You know why we do that? Because we've become complacent. We've just let it come into our homes and let it come into our lives. And we thought, well, you know, what's the use? Just suck it up and go on with it. Well, when you do that, you lose the love, your first love. And then I'll lose my first love if I'm unwilling to forgive another who's hurt and offended me. Bitterness and blessing, they don't get along in one heart. Only one of them is going to end up residing there. And some folks are not going, uh, growing because they're not going to forgive somebody that's done something to them. And uh, bitterness will cause you to get stuck in the mud spiritually. You'll, just, you'll die right there. 1 John 4.20, if a man say, I love God and hateth his brother, he's a liar. For he that loveth his brother, uh, loveth not his brother whom he's seen, how can he love God whom he's not seen? That's what the Word of God says. Now, the Word of God, and I, I don't know if I put that. Yeah, I did. Okay, the last part of that first page there. This is neat. Uh, the Word was rare. It was a despised book. Then in Josiah's day, it was a forgotten book. In Jeremiah's day, it was a neglected book. And, and there's scripture to back all this up. You read that when you get home. Malachi's day, it was a rejected book. Nero's day of persecution, it was a condemned book. During the Inquisition, it was a forbidden book. Today it's becoming a mutilated book, been chopped up, watered down, and trying to take the sting out of the Word of God. You know, let's don't say anything about the blood anymore because that's, that's not good. We, so we chop it up and we try to, uh, uh, to mutilate it there. 
Um, it's still the Word of God. Uh, I want to tell you something, and I put it down there in bold print. The Bible is not hard to understand. It's hard to obey. You know, I hear these guys tell me, you know, uh, uh, the, I just don't understand this. I don't understand that. And a, and a lot of, I'm, uh, mm, I don't know how I can say this without coming across in the wrong way. I, I'm not a King James only Bible preacher. I preach out of the King James. That was a Bible I was saved under, had, had all my life. And I'm, I'm not a King James only Understand that I study the ESV and I read out of the New American Standard and all of those things. But many of the translations are just simply trying to make it easier to accept. If we're not careful, we begin to look at different ones, especially when you get into these paraphrases. That's not a translation. Now, if you want to read the Living Bible, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you think that the Living Bible is the Word of God, there is something wrong with that. The Living Bible is one man's idea. Uh, and I will tell you, you don't need an idea. You need the Word of God. So the, the verses 2, 3, and, and the first part of verse 4 talks about the people, the recliners, the deep hours of the night. The Philistines put themselves in array against Israel, and when they joined the battle, Israel was smitten before the Philistines, and they slew of the army of the field about 4,000 men. When the people were coming to the camp, the elders of Israel said, Wherefore hath the Lord smitten us today before the Philistines? Let us fetch the ark of the covenant of the Lord out of Shiloh unto us, that when it comes, uh, cometh among us, it may save us out of the hand of our enemies. So the people sent to Shiloh that they might bring forth thence the ark of the covenant of the Lord of hosts, which dwelleth between the cherubims. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas were there with the ark of the covenant of God. Now, the 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 everybody's going to bed the crickets and the frogs and everybody's going to bed and, and sunrise is close and suddenly the the lamp the menorah in the temple uh has has gone out uh and uh, uh eli and samuel both asleep eli's rest is a reminder of spiritual slothfulness here there and god's tried to get his attention and he calls to samuel in the in the stillness of the night uh and uh, did I read the wrong? Where am I at? I'm in chapter 4. That, this is not making sense here. That's why I'm in the wrong. Uh, <clears throat> all right, let, you go back over there to chapter 3 where we're supposed to be. It came to pass at that time. Eli laid down in his place. That makes a whole lot more sense. I'm trying to readjust my sermon to fit what I read. I thought, whoo, that don't work. Uh, and, and his eyes began to wax dim, and he could not see. And ere the lamp of God went out in the temple where the Lord, ark of God was, and Samuel was laid down to sleep, that the Lord calleth Samuel, he answered, Here am I. Now, uh, I, I just wonder, when I read this, just quickly, we're cruising through here, how many times has God tried to get my attention, and I was asleep? And maybe not physically, but how about spiritually? God tried to get my attention, and I had other things on my mind. I was crowding out God, and God was not able to get my attention because I had my mind set on other things. And that's exactly what this scripture's talking about here. Acts 28 says, The heart of this people is waxed gross. Their ears are dull of hearing. Their eyes have closed, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, 
and uh, they should be converted. Now, the Bible warns us to stay alert. Mark 13, watch ye therefore. Uh, you don't know when the master of the house cometh at evening or midnight. Uh, he finds you sleeping. Romans 13, 11, knowing the time and that, that now is high time to wake out of sleep. For our salvation is nearer than we believe. I mean, you, you can say whatever you want to about the coming of the Lord, but I want to tell you what I know for sure. It's closer today than it was yesterday. I, I'm not going to predict when it's going to be and all that. I just know one thing. It's closer today. It's closer right now than it's ever been before. And I think it could happen at any time. So maybe God may try to get our attention uh, at unexpected times, maybe to, to test our willingness, to test our obedience, or, or to test our, our uh, attentiveness. Many excuses are offered when the Lord calls us. Some say, I, I can't serve the Lord. I'm young, got my whole life ahead of me. Uh, when I'm able to experience some things in life, then I'll settle down and serve the Lord. Others say, I can't serve the Lord. I'm married. I got to care for my family. Another says, I can't serve God. I got a new job. I got to make my fortune and fame. And then the other one that I hear more than anything is, I can't serve the Lord. I'm just too old and too tired. I'm just too old and too tired. Well, don't be surprised when you're using those ex excuses if the Lord doesn't try to get your attention. Because I want to tell you, I got this crazy idea that God's got something for every one of us to do. And when he's through with us, he'll take us home. I think probably at uh, Max's funeral, I've never heard uh, a guy, uh, this, I just fell in love with this preacher there at this biker church. I didn't know what to expect, didn't have no idea, but uh, he, he closed out that service talking about the fact that if you owned uh, uh, flowers in your yard and everything, you know, and they were beautiful and they were just all around and you were caring for those flowers and watching over those flowers, you, you wouldn't go in somebody's yard and cut one of them flowers and take it off. You wouldn't do that. But if it was your yard and your flowers, you could go over there and snip a flower off and, and give it to someone else. And that's what this preacher said. God has a right to do that. Our life is like a flower before the Lord, and he can snip it off anytime he wants to and, and take it home, take it with him. Uh, so God's trying to get our attention. So listen to God. Now, the response to Samuel is in verses 4 through 6. Uh, 6 through 7, I got to hurry. Uh, is in 4 through 6 there, and, and you know he said, Lord, uh, uh, your servant heareth, so speak. Let me just give you this point here. When we're asleep, God has a way of waking us up. He got a way of waking us up. The prodigal son, <laughs> he was asleep. God woke him up. He was in the middle of a pig pen, but God got his attention and woke him up. David, God woke him up. It was a, a, a prophet by the name of Nathan. I think probably old Nathan had probably a, a finger out there that was probably eight or ten inches long when he pointed that finger at David and said, Thou art the man. I, man, I think, whoa, whew, you know, Dave woke David up. Samson, God had a way. He's blinded, bound, grinding. God had a, he got his attention after he had ruined all of his own life. God had a way of waking him up. So an important message here is how many times does God try to work in our life and lead us 
But we get his message confused and we don't recognize his message and leading because we're ignorant or we're not in tune with him and we don't pray to get in his word. How many times has God wanted to use us but we were ignorant of it because we're not in tune with God? So the revelation of the Lord is verse 7 uh, and then uh, uh, verse 8 talks about the realization of Eli and we, we covered that Sunday uh, and then Samuel's receptivity there. And then, then I want to just major on, on the back part uh, there. I think it's on page two. Uh, the turn, uh, tuning in your spiritual reception. How do, you, how do you really tune in? I want to just major on that just for a few moments tonight because I know the young people are here because there's nothing else for them. Uh, but you're here because hopefully I know these young people there. They're, they want to be here too. Uh, but... Uh, you're here on Wednesday night, and most folk are not going to be here on Wednesday night. So I just believe in my heart that in this room tonight, there's a group of people that would like to say, I really want to tune in with God. I really want to be spirit. I really want to hear God speak. I want to walk in the will of God. So there are three things here. The first one is you've got to recognize Jesus is Lord. He said, speak Lord. Now, let me tell you, here's the deal. He either is Lord or he's not Lord. I mean, there's no, there's no middle road here. He is Lord, or he's not Lord. What did he say? Why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I ask you to do? He said, I'm Lord. We've got to recognize that Jesus is Lord. Know uh, you not that your body is a temple of the Holy Ghost? And, and then in 2 Corinthians 6, what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? You're the temple of the living God. So how do you, you tune in lordship? Well, number one, you leave and lay aside the weights of sin in your life. Hebrews says, seeing we're compassed about with a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight that might hinder us. Now, everybody don't agree with this, but I, I, uh, I think those witnesses are people who've gone on before us. You say, oh, no, preacher, it can't be them. Because I've lived a life that those people would be shedding tears if they saw what I was doing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You see, the tears are not wiped away in heaven until Revelation 21. Mm. It could be that those who've gone on before us are the cloud of witnesses he's talking about. I think they're probably our biggest cheerleaders encouraging us to go on with God and move on with God and do something that'll count for the kingdom of God. He said, lay aside anything, any weight that will hinder you and the sin that does so easily beset you there. Lay, lay all of those things aside. Um, secondly, lean on the Lord when we're weak and load your troubles upon him when you're down. He, he's the one who's able to do that. As I mentioned before, don't run to Facebook. Run to God. It's great to have Christian brothers and sisters praying for you, but don't ask somebody else to pray for you when you haven't even got with God yourself. That's step one. You've got to get with God. He is Lord. He's Lord of your life. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of thy heart. First Peter, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Then thirdly, love the Lord and his will for your life. I delight to do thy will, oh my God. I told the group over at Arabella tonight, I'm, I'm not going to make any bones about it. I, 
I, I don't want to pastor this church. I, I don't want to stand here. See, I used to think that if you just preach the Word of God, people would love you and people would flock to hear. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. I don't know how I ever believe that. People love the Word of God as long as it don't pertain to them. When it starts pertaining to me now, i got a problem with the Word of God. And I'm not that. Listen, I want everybody in here to love me. I, I don't want to be sitting up here in a casket and uh, somebody say, well, I tell you what, he got just what he deserved. He put my family through misery, and I had to listen to him every week and all that. I, I, I don't want that. I don't want that, but I want to tell you. I want to tell you now. I get up in the morning, and I pop my boots together, and I say, here I am, Lord. What do you want me to do today? This morning, I started out at the hospital in Tyler. I came back. And uh, picked up some fans for Longview Community Ministries. I figured y'all would buy 10 or 12 fans. You bought 50-something fans. I had to load all them things up by myself and haul them down there and then preach a service at Arabella. And then, I mean, it, whatever God wants, that's what I need to be doing. I need to love the will of God. Whatever it is. Doesn't make any difference what it is. You say, well, yeah, you're a preacher. You can love the will of God. Do you think God don't have any will over at your private place? He, God's everywhere. He's everywhere. You don't have to, we're not talking about preachers here. We're talking about Christians. We're to love the will of God for our life. Not, not Ephesians says, not with eye service or as men's pleasers, but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. Hmm. Fourth thing, lean not on your own understanding. Proverbs 3, probably one of my favorite scriptures. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. We, we, our understanding gets messed up. Boy, we get messed up. His ways are not our ways. And we've got to lean on his understanding. Uh, I'm going to tell you one reason we need to lean on his understanding is because he can see what happened yesterday, what is happening right now, and what's going to happen in the future. Now, you're going to lean on somebody like yourself that can only know what's going on right now, and I want to tell you, I'll be honest with you, half the stuff we think we know ain't even true. How many of y'all thought Joanna Gaines was getting out of the fixer-upper business? Come to find out it's a scam. Been all over everywhere. She ain't doing no makeup line. It's just been a scam all along. Well, good grief. <laughs> they had a preacher's meeting last night in Silsby, and they were going to nail this guy, and, I, and, and they wanted me to be there. I said, no, I can't be there. I'm not, I don't want to be there, period. I'm not going to be there. But I, I, when I left them last week, I said, I got one piece of advice for you. I, was, I do think the guy's wrong. I think he's probably a crook, and I think probably we need to confront it. But I want to tell you something. When you confront somebody, you better have the truth and the evidence. There are too many folk trying to run people down with just hearsay. It's easy to get on the Internet and ruin somebody's life and reputation just by hearsay. And it's not that you have to call them a liar or anything like that. You can just make a couple of hints. And people will take it and run with it. They'll take it and run with it. Well, the, the, the fifth thing there, not only our own understanding, but we ought to long for his second coming. 
We ought to be looking for the Lord's return. I mean, he could come back any time. You, you, I know you believe that. If we really believe that, we ought to do everything we can in these last days to reach every person we can possibly reach. Our kids tonight are in children's camp, 50 of them there. And I want to tell you, we need to be praying, oh, God, save those kids. Save them right now, whether 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old. Save them right now. We need to do everything we can because those kids have parents. We've got kids right here. We were talking about it in staff meeting. It hurts us to close anything down, and we're trying to reevaluate some things because, like tonight, there's no youth services or no children's things and all that. All our workers and everything are there. And, uh, but, but I want to tell you guys, we, we've got kids right here that we pick up on our bus. I'm telling you the truth that we'll not eat a supper in a week unless they eat here at this church, that supper. We got kids that's living right here within five miles of this church that don't even know if they're going to have a mom and daddy in the morning at breakfast. They may be there and they may not be there. All that's going on. All that's going on. We've got to be praying. We've got to be ministering. We've got to be witnessing as much as we can in these last days. Uh, recognize the Lordship of Christ. But, but secondly, there's a lowly spirit here that's acknowledged. He said, speak, Lord, for thy servant. Thy servant. He's, he's not coming across as somebody that's somebody. He said, Lord, your servant. I'm, I'm admitting to you. We're servants of the Lord, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. Now, what do servants do? I listed some of the things there. Number one, they lighten the burdens of others. We ought to encourage and exhort. We ought not to be tearing for Let me tell you, there are two kinds of people in this world sitting in this building here tonight. There are givers and there are takers. Man, I don't know about you, but I want to be a giver. I, I don't want to be one that's just, just with my hand out all the time, take, 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 take. I want to be a giver. We need to be serving the Lord. Secondly, lead others to Christ. We ought to share the gospel. We're the witnesses of God. When Jesus walked on this earth, he raised people from the dead. He healed the sick. He talked to them about their souls, and they were saved and all of that. But he's not here now. We're the hands of Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Don't think you've got to do this on your own. You don't, you're not equipped for it. You can't handle it. But when you die to yourself, the Holy Spirit fills you. You can do anything God tells you to do. We need to be witnessing, leading others to Jesus Christ. And I had a guy this last week, he was, got on me. He said, oh, y'all talking about winning souls, winning souls. You can't win nobody. I said, really? I said, I guess the Bible's just wrong. You know, because I'm dealing with a lot of preachers that if you're going to get saved, you know, they're going to get saved anyway, and, and you don't have to fool with that. I said, well, you see, it seems like I read a scripture in there somewhere that he that winneth souls is wise. Hmm? I'm telling you, we ought to be trying to win every soul we can, snatch them out of hell. Why would we go to Haiti and we won't even go across the street? Why would we go to Kenya and we won't even minister right here in our own backyard? 
Then thirdly, we need to live to glorify Jesus Christ in our life. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. John 15, 8, hereby, herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit, so shall you be my disciples. Now, let me close with this, this third area here. See, he's, he's Lord. He's acknowledging that he's Lord. He either is or he's not. Secondly, he's a servant. He's lowered himself. He said, I'm a servant. I'm not the one calling the shots here. Isn't that what Jesus said? All I'm doing is what the Father told me to do. I didn't come in here doing anything on my own. I only did what the Father told me to do. And then thirdly, listen to the Lord for his direction. He said, speak, Lord, for your servant heareth. Heareth. We're to keep our ears in tune with the Lord. Let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. So how do you do that? Number one, you look into the Word of God. Read and study what the Scriptures say to you. First, uh, 2 Timothy 2.15, Study, show thyself approved, a workman unto God that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of truth. We're to study the Word of God. And then secondly, we're to learn the Word of God. We're to memorize it. We're to meditate on it. Uh, the reason we can't memorize it, uh, you know, how many of y'all, uh, there was a time when you memorized the 50 states in the United States, and you could name every one of them. And you, you say, well, I can't memorize Scripture. You know, I, I can still remember the Royal Ambassador Pledge. I, as a Royal Ambassador, I pledge to do my best to become a well-informed, responsible follower of Christ, have a Christ-like concern for all people, learn how the message of Christ is carried around the world. And that, I'm 64 years old. I did that when I was 8 years old. I don't refresh myself with that. I'm telling you what you meditate on and study on and you put in here, God brings it back to your memory. And that's the word. That's how you're going to beat the devil. You're not going to beat him with your ingenuity. He's going to whoop the daylights out of you. You're going to defeat him by quoting the word of God to him. So learn the Word of God. Meditate on it day and night. And then linger in church. Linger in church. Well, you say, what does that mean? Well, that don't mean you have to stay around here all afternoon. It just means get under the preaching and teaching of the Word of God. I'm so thrilled. Hey, I, I, I go places. I was at the hospital today. And this couple was telling me, boy, what a great Sunday school teacher we've got. You know, talking about someone here. I heard that yesterday. It thrills my soul to know that people are teaching the Word of God. Not what their opinions are, but they're teaching the Word of God. That's the only thing that's promised. Now, there's nothing wrong with your testimony. You need a testimony. People need to hear the testimony. Nothing wrong with that. But I want to tell you, we don't have a promise that when you give out your testimony, it's not going to come back void. But I'll tell you what, we got that promise here in this book that whatever goes out of this book, it will accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. It's not going to come back void. It's not going to come back empty. It's going to accomplish what God wants it to accomplish. And then the fourth thing there is list the blessings of God in your life. I was early this morning uh, going to Tyler and I was listening to one of the news networks talking about this in Venezuela, how bad things are. If you want to know what a socialist, what Bernie Sanders can do for America, go to Venezuela and look at that. And uh, they were talking about there are no trash dumps in Venezuela that people have not picked through to try to get food and cartons of food out of. 
And there was a lady there, and they said her eyes were just glowing because there was a jar that had a little chocolate in it. And she was able to scoop her finger out and get that chocolate out of there. Now, I want to tell you, for those of us who think we've got it tough, we ought to sit down sometime and just write the blessings down that God has given us. Now, I know some of you think your blessings came by a lot of hard work and ingenuity, and you're as dumb as a rock. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. God's the one who gave you everything you got. You're stewards of it, and God has given it to you. And we ought to list those blessings. Hey, I, I, I know I'm not real loving and kind to those who don't want to be in America. I think if you don't want to be here, get on out. Go on somewhere else. I thank God that I was born. I know Corrigan, Texas ain't much. But thank God I, <laughs> thank God I was born in Texas, amen? Uh, no, <laughs> I thank God I was born here in the United States of America. There's a lot of people that's not. And they, we have no idea what they're going through. List God. Blessed is the, be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. So what he's saying here is, even if you can't think of nothing else, if you're saved, you ought to thank God you got saved. Because there's a lot of people not going to get saved. There's going to come a time when God's going to empty hell just like emptying a trash can. And those whose names are not written in the book of life are going to be cast into outer darkness. You remember when the disciples came and they were so excited? They said, Lord, my goodness, we've been casting out demons. We've healed people. Whew, it's just been a great day. You remember what Jesus told them? He said, hey, don't, don't brag about all the stuff you've done. If you want to be happy about something, Brag about the fact that your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Because your salvation's the greatest thing you've got to be excited about. And then number five, lengthen your time in prayer. Get in tune with the Spirit of God. Pray without ceasing. Uh, boy, that is so true. I hope, I don't know how many of you have taken advantage of it, but I hope you will. Uh, out in the front, there's from Bill Bright, Campus Crusade for Christ, uh, some uh, brochures on fasting and I'm not telling you you know if you're taking medicine and everything you have to limit what your fasts are but pretty well anybody can fast 24 hours you drink plenty of liquids and waters and I'm telling you uh, now I'm, I'm not asking you to do something I'm not doing myself I'm just not going to publicize it and brag on it but I'm just telling you right now when you begin to neglect yourself so that Christ can be honored I want to tell you, he'll show you things that you didn't know before. You'll be able to walk with him in places you've never walked before. Lengthen your time with the Lord. You know, I'll I, I, I be honest with you, you've heard me tell you, hey, just take five minutes. And, and the spiritual people say, five minutes? Well, I get up and I study an hour. Well, that's wonderful. But for somebody that don't get up and do it at all, just take five minutes. Because when you start spending five minutes with the Lord, you're going to want to come to a place where you spend five more. And there'll come a time when you want to spend five more. And let me tell you something. Serving the Christian life is not getting beat on the head saying you got to do this, this, this. Serving the Christian life is the joy of the Lord. Baptists have that backwards. I'm telling you, we've, we've messed that up so bad. Somebody comes into the church 
we say, uh, uh, let's, let's give them a job. I mean, we give them a job and they'll, be, they'll get on fire for God. Well, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. That's not what we're supposed to do. The Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. My strength does not include the joy of the Lord. My strength comes from the joy of the Lord. When you get Jesus and you're happy with Jesus, you can serve the Lord and be faithful. But you just, you just go out and try to start saying, well, I'm going to serve God if it hair lips the Pope. I tell you, I'm going to do it. I don't care what it is. I'm, 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 you, you, you'll fall. You will fail. You'll be so mad. People will tick you off, and you'll be out of your sorts. You get with God and get his joy, and then you go serve the Lord. And nobody's going to have to tell you to serve the Lord. Nobody's going to have to tell you that. We've, we've seen that over and over again here. You, you don't have to tell people to serve the Lord. They want to serve the Lord. They have a desire to serve the Lord. I put that one thing down on the bottom. Authority does not make you a leader. It gives you the opportunity to be one. Mm. You ever see somebody get a little authority and man, you thought, good grief, I didn't know who they were. <laughs> it won't make you a leader, but it'll give you an opportunity to be one. Father, we're grateful tonight for the joy to be able to be in this service. We ask you, Lord, to just uh, let your blessings fall upon those who are here tonight. May your words speak boldly to us. May the lessons that Samuel has given us here be applicable to our life. Help us to be better Christians, more able to serve you in these days ahead. Lord, I know we look around, it looks like dark days. But, oh God, we know for the child of God, our best days are yet to come. And we praise you and uh, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't forget, Saturday morning, uh, Brother Morris's visitation will be at 10 o'clock here. And then the service will be at 11. And then we'll be feeding the family after that. So uh, if you want to bring something, you say, well, nobody ever.